0: Welcome to City Reach Cumberland's weekly podcast. We hope this message blesses you. For more information about us, you can check us out on the web at cityreachcumberland.com. So I just want to let you know, if, you, if you're here or you're online and you know anybody, you have anybody that's struggling, addiction, life-altering issues, anything like that, and they want help, we're here. This is what we do. This is what we love to do. And uh, some people say, well, how much is it? It's, it's no charge. So if you have somebody that wants help and we have room, we will help them or we'll help them find a place to go. So just grateful to be able to do this. Uh, and just everybody that, that's part of this ministry, you share in everything we do here. So we, uh, we do this as a team. This is a family. We do this together. And everybody plays a different role, has a different ministry. And it's really exciting. Thank you guys. Okay. Well, since we just had Thanksgiving, anybody like over turkey? No. I talked to somebody the other day. and said, "I haven't had turkey in 10 years. I hate turkey. We have pizza for Thanksgiving." And I was like, "I like pizza." Oh, thanks. Thank you. But, oh, well, I like turkey love turkey. haven't had my fill yet. But uh, so today I was just thinking on Thanksgiving and boy, God's been God's been uh, just kind of dealing with me. I've really had to repent like every day this week and just about uh, complaining. And so I want to uh, just teach you today on um, title. Of the message is Thanksgiving, giving voice to your faith, that that we know that that faith is voice activated. Right? The Apostle Paul says that uh, in, quoting, in quoting David in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he says that I, uh, I believed, therefore I spoke. And Paul says we also believed and therefore we speak. So that there's this connection between faith and believing and speaking. But not everything we speak actually helps our faith. There's things that we can speak that actually take us backwards, that, that that actually strengthen unbelief, and so complaining is really one of those things. Um, I looked it up this week. Phil Kiefer, who is my in-house fact checker, uh, every time I quote something, Phil's on his phone checking me out. I feel like I'm a politician sometimes when he does that. But um, I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna say who, but. Uh, most psychiatrists will agree, certain studies will say, the average person complains 30 times a day. The average person complains 30 times a day. And you might say, well, I'm not, I'm not really a complaining person, really? Think about it. What's the one thing we all complain about almost every day? Boy, this Wi-Fi is awful. It's become an entitlement. I've got to have good Wi-Fi. You know, everybody complains about that. We we complain about uh, we'll complain about our job. This job is terrible. My boss is awful. I just I, let me just pause right there. I just remembered something. I just got. Uh, I just thought I want to do this. Take a pause here. Holly Markle, stand up. Where's Holly? Uh huh. Holly texted me and said, can we announce the Staying Connected group next Sunday? And Holly felt that God has placed it on her to do a, con- a group to connect anybody that's been in our home, graduated from our home, and is no longer in the home. So it doesn't mean you had to have had to have graduated, but just have been part of her home, and she would like to have a group that connects you back uh, as a group, and that'll be next Sunday. When? At- when, Holly? No? Oh, the third Thursday. I thought you meant... Oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, it was, can we announce it next Sunday? Oh. All right. Well, when I text her back and I'll try to get to it after worship, I, I just, uh, anyway. Okay, forget all that. We'll just, like, un- unwind all that. So anyway, we, we have this tendency to be complainers, right? People, you know, they'll complain about their spouse. They complain about their job. God forbid, people complain about their church. They even complain about the pastor. I complain about the pastor sometimes. Man, I get it. Boy, I you complain about what he preaches on. You know, we just have this thing. We complain, complain, complain. Actually, complaining is not God's will. It's not God's will at all. So our main text for today is First Thessalonians chapter five, verse eighteen. And there's uh, if you ever want to just say, "Hey, I learned a verse from the Bible today," you can learn First Thessalonians five sixteen and five seventeen. They're like super short, and uh, you can get them in. So it says, "Rejoice always." That's a verse. So if you ever say, "Hey, I want to learn a verse today," rejoice always. Everybody say that. Rejoice always. Uh, you guys got it's a verse. Verse of the day. Rejoice always. The next verse. Pray without ceasing. Number seventeen. And then in verse 18, it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So you've heard me say before that the will of God does not always come to pass. And I've, I've hit that from a couple of different angles before that we have to participate and we have to have a free will to make choices in order for what God has planned for us to come to pass in our life. And so if you disagree with me, Then you have to say, according to this verse, that if God's will always comes to pass, then you're always thankful and you never complain. Do I have anybody that's never complained? I have no hands. (laughs) Right? So it's God's will that we do what? Give thanks in everything. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean for everything. And I'm going to hit that toward the end of the message. I want to explain that to you. But it does mean that we give thanks in everything. In the midst of everything you're going through, good or bad, there is an opportunity to give thanks. I want you to say this. Giving thanks in everything everything. is God's will will. for me. me. So a lot of times we read that and it says for you, and we think that means for my wife. Hey, baby, it's God's will that you give thanks for me. (laughs) Just wanted to point that out. In case you were ever wondering. It's God's will that we give thanks in everything, and that's, my, that's God's will for me. So a lot of times that we go through things, we think, well, there's no possible way that I could give thanks in the midst of this. So there's this, what I, want, well, I really want to show you today, a couple things, is that, that your faith is enhanced through thanksgiving and that unbelief is enhanced through complaining that a lot of times we don't think that this complaining has has a, has a bad effect what's it say in proverbs it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those that love it will eat the fruit thereof and that means that you have the ability to say positive things or negative things you can speak life you can speak death you can speak thanks or you can speak complaining and the things that you speak you're eventually going to eat the fruit of it and that there's, there's uh, if you think in the Old Testament, what group of people were known for their complaining? I thought you were going to say City Reach Cumberland. No, <laughs> you guys are not complainers. Yeah, the Israelites, they were complainers, right? And they were whiners. They, 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 the, the, the King James says murmured. We don't really say it anymore, but they murmured, they griped, they complained, they, they, they grumbled, and it wasn't that they didn't have faith. They had faith. They, they saw God do miracles. They had faith as he parted the Red Sea, and they walked on dry ground. They had faith to be delivered from Egypt, but then they get into the wilderness, and they had a promise of God, but the promise of God didn't come to pass. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Psalm chapter, uh, I think it's 76, verse 11. It says, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That the very thing that God intended for them didn't come to pass because once they got in the wilderness, they began to complain. They began to complain. We know in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says that the gospel was preached to us the same it was as it was preached to them, but the word preached to them did not benefit or did not profit them because it was not mixed with what? Faith that God's word, God's promises has to mix with faith in order for the thing to come to pass, in order for there to be a benefit from it. So I want you to just, uh, just for a minute, I want to take a look at Hebrews chapter 3, and I just want to, I just want to show you the difference between the children of Israel, how they have a promise, and they have a promise from God, it was called the promised What? Right, right. He said, I'm going I'm to take you out of this, this land, and I'm going to bring you into a good land. That was his will. That was his promise. And how they went from having a promise of God, and that thing never came to pass in their life. And then another guy named Abraham. I, I, met, a new, I met a first-time visitor named Abraham today. I so said, we're going to talk about Abraham today. And how Abraham has a promise in his life that he doesn't come come to pass for 25 years after God gives it to him. And what he did in the midst of that was completely different. And so it says in Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Now with whom was he angry? Speaking of God for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? We see that they could not enter in because of what? Unbelief. And later I I said in chapter 4, it says that, that, The word preached to them did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith. So that unbelief, they came out of Egypt, but they stayed in the wilderness because of unbelief. What caused the unbelief? I want you to see this term. It says, those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. Now we know that everybody 20 years and older, God said, because you guys complained, everybody except Joshua and Caleb, and I believe Pastor Jay preached uh, from this passage a couple weeks ago. But everybody but Joshua and Caleb is going to die in the wilderness if you're older than 20 years old. And so I want you to just pay attention to this passage, says, or this phrase that says, whose corpses fell in the wilderness. Now let's go back to Numbers chapter 14. I want to show you this. Next slide. It says the carcasses of you who what? Complained. So complaining... Now, they didn't get in because of unbelief, but from the time they came out to the time that they died in the wilderness, complaining, murmuring is what the thing that strengthened this unbelief in their life. You know, I think it's possible, and I believe it's possible scripturally, that you can have faith and unbelief in operation at the same time. If you think about the guy that had the the, the boy that was epileptic, that the, the disciples could not cast him out, cast the demon out. And he came to Jesus, and he says, if you can do anything. And he says, I believe, help my unbelief. So here's a guy that has faith and unbelief at the same time. And I think what happens is, as we begin to complain, as we begin to to look at the situation and, and, and talk about what's not happening, and what hasn't happened, and this is awful, and this is terrible, and my job's the worst, and blah, 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 all of a sudden, those things strengthen the unbelief. As opposed to the other way, when I start confessing what God says, I start thanking him for who he is. I start thanking him for what he's done. That thing strengthens my faith. So in the midst, it says, in everything, in the midst of it. So you might not be there yet. You might have a promise. It hasn't been fulfilled yet. But God says, in the midst of that, in that very thing, I want you to give thanks. So a little bit different story. We have Abraham, who at 75 years old, God says, I will bless you. And in your seed will, the, will all the families of the earth be blessed. And he promises him a, a, a baby, which we know was Isaac, and it's 75 years old. And he goes all the way, and he tries, to, he tries to help God out a little bit when he was about 86, you know. And his wife says, hey, if you want to have a baby with my maid, it's okay. And, of course, he did what any guy would do. Like, wait, is this, is this a set? Am I being set up here? You know, <laughs> is this a setup? But he tries to help it out, has Ishmael, but that wasn't the promised son that God, was, God had for him. And he says he gets all the way into his 99th year. He's almost 100 years old. And, and look what he did. It says, go to the next slide, Romans chapter 4. It says, and being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was, look at this, strengthened in faith. He didn't waver in unbelief. He was strengthened. That means he got stronger. He got more faithful. His faith increased. So here's the thing that, how did he do it? It said he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. See, what he could have done, he could have looked and said, it said, not being weak in faith, he didn't consider his own body now dead because he was about 100 years old. If he had said, He he wasn't thanking God for the fact that his body was dead. Just think if he'd have been saying, God, I thank you that I'm impotent. I thank you that I'm impotent. I thank you that I'm impotent. What's he reinforcing? I am impotent. He thanked God. He gave glory to God. We're going to look at a little bit later how you do that. How do I give glory? How do I give thanksgiving in the midst of something that doesn't look like it should? It says he didn't consider the deadness to Sarah's womb. He didn't say, God, I thank you that my wife is no longer able to have kids. I thank you that Sarah's womb is dead. He's not repeating that. He's not looking at the circumstances. It said that he was strengthened in faith. And how was he strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. He wasn't strengthened in faith by complaining. He wasn't strengthened in faith by rehearsing what didn't take place. He wasn't strengthened in faith by continuing to dwell on what looked like was going to be when God's promise was something opposite than that. It says he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. We, so we have the children of Israel that had a promise that complained their way out of it, right? We have Abraham that has a promise that he thanked his way out of it. So think of it like this. You'll probably never effectively complain your way out of an issue, but you can thank your way out of it. You can thank your way out of the situation, but you're probably never going to complain your way out of it. If you complain your way out of it, you're probably going to get less than God intended. I can tell you this, when somebody comes to me with a complaint and they start demanding, I want this. And I want that. Guess how generous I feel at that point. <laughs> You're gonna do this. I'm gonna call my attorney that. All of a sudden, I, I don't feel real generous. But when they say, "Hey, you guys did a great job, man. I really appreciate what you did. This thing didn't work out quite that," ah, okay. Let's make that. Let's fix that. A little different response. See. The same way that Abraham was strengthened, giving glory to God, the Apostle Paul tells us we're supposed to do the same thing. He says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7, he says that the same way you received Christ, so walk in him. How did you receive Christ? Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. I was saved by grace through faith. So Paul says the same way that I received Christ, Is the same way that I walk in Christ. The same way that I live in Christ. I was saved by grace through faith. I live my life by grace through faith. Same way. And he goes on to say in verse 7, he said, So walk in him, rooted and built up, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with what? Thanksgiving. Established in the faith, abounding in it. What is it? it? It modifies faith. So the same way, we have the same principle here, the same way Abraham was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, Paul says that you will abound, which means to increase, which means to have more than you used to have. He said you'll abound in it, you'll abound in your faith by thanks or with thanksgiving. This is how we strengthen our faith. This is how we grow in our faith. We do it with one, not the only way, but one of the ways is we do it by, with our mouth, by giving thanksgiving, by being thankful, by saying thank you. When, when do we normally thank somebody? After somebody gives you something, right? Where's Cliff? If I said, Cliff, I'm going to give you a new car. I haven't given but I haven't given it to you yet. You still wait, but you, tr- you trust me, right? You trust me, okay. So typically, we say thank you. So if somebody gives us a compliment, what do we say? Or we try to have false humility and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm really not all that. No, you receive it. You say thank you. If somebody gives you a gift, what do you say? Thank you. If, if somebody does something nice for you, what do you say? About time, David says. <laughs> yeah. Been waiting on that car 41 years. Come on, it's about time, somebody. So we say thank you after we have received something, right? So let's take this thing about giving thanks Strengthening our faith and, and building our faith until we see the promise of God come to be. Think about this in terms of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Right? Right? So Jesus says, I'm telling you, if you say to this mountain, be removed, cast on the sea, and you believe in your heart, the thing that you said will be done, you don't doubt, you're going to have whatever you say. Verse 24 says, therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, what do you do? Believe that you receive them, and you will what? Have them. Whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive. When do I believe that I received, according to this verse, when I pray? What do I do when I receive something? Say thank you. So it says, when you pray, at the moment I pray, I do what? Believe that I receive. And then what will happen? It says, you will have it. If I truly believe that I received something when I prayed for it, what should my response be even before I have it? Thank you. Father, I pray for healing in my body. According to your word, you said by your stripes I was healed. And if I was healed, I am healed. If I truly believed that, what would I say next? Thank you. I would say, Father, thank you that by the stripes of Jesus I'm healed. It may not look that way. I may not be experiencing it. I may not feel healed. But I'm thanking him until the manifestation comes. If I go back and ask him to do it again, what did that do to the first time I asked? If I really believed I received it, why would I ask him for it again? See, your prayer changes once you see. Every, all of us have to have a time when we go in our prayer closet, or you. For me, it's a, a couch that I sit in, or, or wherever your place is that you get alone. God and you bind and loose and you declare and you pray and you you persevere and then you come out of there and say I got this thing thank you Lord thank you father thank you father see my prayer changes once I believe that I received it now I'm entering into a prayer of thanksgiving what's happening to my faith as I'm thanking him it grows it's strengthened I'm abounding in faith if I prayed that I and I believe that I received and I come out and say, boy, well, I don't know, this job sucks. Oh, man, I'm never going to get a promotion. Man, it, he got moved up and I should have been me. He, he, that, he's worthless. Uh, uh-uh. What did happen to my faith? When I complain, what do I strengthen? When I complain, what do I strengthen? Unbelief, disbelief, doubt. When I thank God, what do I strengthen? Faith. That's really, you know, you think a lot of times we think, well, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm entitled to complain. It makes me feel better. It's like grown-up whining, right? (laughs) Like, if I stood up here and did this, you'd be like, you're a big baby. Well, your complaining is being a big baby. It's just grown-up temper tantrums. You know, I really challenge you to go back and like on Monday morning, what's the football team do? They watch the tape, right? Think about this past week. Roll that tape in your mind for a minute. Think about every conversation, every text, every direct message, every video chat, every social media post you made this week. What was the the, the spirit behind it? I mean, if you want to get somebody to co-sign your complaint, just put it on Facebook, <laughs> right? You can find a whole bunch of other people that think terrible, just like you. And you guys can feel good together. I love it. You put, you, you put, Somebody puts a complaint about my business, and I get it. That's the world we live in. Man, everybody jumps on it. You don't have your mask, you go to Cumberland Comfort. You guys seen that one? And you like air it out about every every business that's not done, have their mask on. And man, everybody jumps on that one. Or maybe you want to, you know, God forbid you air something out about your spouse or your, your part, whatever. You're not solving the problem. You're strengthening your unbelief. And you're getting other people to come around you and strengthen your unbelief. God says, I want you to be thankful. It's my will for you to be thankful in everything. And when you're thankful in the midst of it, your faith's going to build. All right. Question. Next slide. We'll close with this one. If it's God's will for me to be thankful in everything, does that mean that I must also be thankful For everything. It's God's will that I be thankful in everything, in every situation. Is it also God's will that I be thankful for everything? Only if you're religious. Any religious people here today? I'm not religious. I I buck religion. So I want to show you a verse that sounds like and looks like and maybe even you were taught this younger, it looks like you should be thankful for everything. Ephesians chapter 5, uh, verses 17 through 20. We're going to look at just, just really the one verse, really Ephesians 5:20. But it says, uh, Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. What did we just learn the will of the Lord is for me? Give thanks in everything, right? So it says, Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Then it goes on to say, but be, uh, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then it picks up. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father and the, and the, Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's that say? It says, giving thanks always, what? For all things unto God. So on first blush, and even some translations, make it seem like you should be thanking God for all things. I think it's wrong, and I think it's cruel to expect somebody to thank God that their newborn baby died. I think it's, it's cruel to expect somebody to be thankful for cancer. I hate cancer. I think it's cruel to expect somebody to be thankful that their spouse ran around on them. So how do I deal with this? Say unto God. The key is here, it says thankful for all things unto God. Thankful for all things unto God. So Jesus dealt with this. So I really want to just, I want to show you this small passage in in, uh, Luke chapter 20, and it'll help you bring a little clarity to this one. Because I don't want you thanking God for the wrong thing. So look at this. So this is where, so a lot of times we'll apply this to, to paying taxes. Anybody like to pay taxes? I, I don't I, I try to avoid paying taxes. Now, I don't evade taxes, but I practice tax avoidance. That's, there, there's a difference. There is a difference. One, you'll go to jail for. The other, you can have a few more dollars left next year. But the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus, as they always are. They're trying to trick him. And so they're asking him, should we pay taxes to Caesar? Anybody remember this one? All right. So they say, is it lawful for us to give tribute or pay taxes unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, why do you tempt me? Show me a penny. Whose image? Say that. And subscription, or I'm sorry, superscription is on it. Whose image? And superscription is on it. So image means is what? Picture, right? So if I pulled a coin out of my pocket and it was a a quarter, whose image would we see? Oh, man, that's good. All right. What if it was a 50-cent piece? Ah, not too good on that one. Not, I, don't, I don't know. I was just asking. <laughs> Maybe somebody can fact check that one. I have no idea. Yeah, right. So Jesus says, hey, they say, is it lawful? to pay? Should we be paying taxes to Caesar? Jesus says, give me a penny whose who's image and whose subscription, that means title, whose who's picture and whose title is on, is on the coin. And they answered and said, Caesars. And here's the verse you're familiar with. Next slide. And he said unto them, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which be Caesar's. And here's that phrase unto God. And render unto God the things which be God's. Back in uh, Ephesians chapter 520, when it says, be thankful for all things unto God. And some translations say to God. The word unto is not even in there. It literally says, be thankful for all things God. So think about it like this. If I said, I like all things 80s hairband, would you know what that means? That means if it pertains to 80s hairbands, Jeff, I like it. (laughs) Or if I said, I like all things automotive, what would that mean? If it pertains to automobiles, I like it. Or if, it, if you said, well, I like all things tech. I mean, if it's digital, techy, you'd like it. It literally says that you are to give thanks for all things God or all things God or all things that are kind of like God-like. So what Jesus says, he says, I want you to render unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And I want you to render to God, unto God, the things that are of God. Paul is telling us that we are to thank God for things and render unto him thanks for things that are of him. They're things that are God things. See, this doesn't just apply to taxes. This applies to thanksgiving. So what does that look like? So let's just say, if, if let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm broke. Let's just say I'm 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 in poverty. Poverty is part of the curse. So, what Jesus is saying, he says, I want you to look at the situation and see whose fingerprints are on the situation. I want you to look at the issue and see whose inscription, whose picture, whose title, whose fingerprints are all over it. If I look at poverty and that's part of the curse, is that God's fingerprints? If I look at somebody that has cancer, is that God's fingerprints? No. If I look at somebody stuck in addiction, is that God's fingerprints? No. If I look at divorce, is that God's fingerprints? Infidelity? No, no, no. So if it doesn't have God's image on it, I'm not going to render thanks to God for it. God does not want credit. What's giving thanks? Giving thanks is giving somebody credit for what they did, right? If 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 Kara, in her heart of hearts, and Kara works for one of my competitors, but if she said, you know what, I just feel like doing Fred a solid today, I'm going to tell my customer to go buy from him. <laughs> Would you ever do that? Oh, you will? That's good. I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't, but, you know, <laughs> I'm just not at your level yet, but I wouldn't do it. But... If, if Kara did that and I told her thanks, thanks is giving her credit for what she did, right? God does not want credit for what the devil did. Why would I thank him for something that didn't originate from him? So, so often we're thanking God. People say, well, you got to thank God for everything. Okay, I'm in I'm, I'm active addiction. God, thank you that I'm an addict. no. I have a terminal disease. Thank you, God, for this disease. No, because if it doesn't have God's image on it, I'm not going to thank God for it and give him credit for it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to thank God in that thing for what he's already done. So if it doesn't look like God, if I'm sick, I'm going to say, God, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed if i don't have any money to pay my bill i'm not going to say thank you god for making me broke i'm going to say thank you god that you provide according to your riches and glory in christ jesus abraham when he we we mentioned him earlier when he's looking at that situation it said that he was strengthened in faith giving glory to god the next verse said that he was confident that god was able to do the very thing that he promised so that even if it looks impossible I'm not going to thank God, thank you for this impossible situation. Thank you, God, that you're able to do the thing that you promised. So in the midst of everything, I have an opportunity to thank God either for it, if it's got his picture on it, or thank him for what he's already done if it doesn't. Does that make sense? And every time I thank God, guess what's happening? Faith increases, faith increases, faith increases. I'm strengthened in faith. I'm abounding in faith. Every time I complain, strengthening unbelief. Next slide. There's a question. So, in your middle of it, you are got to ask whose fingerprints are on this? Whose fingerprints are on this issue? Whose image is on the coin? Whose title is on the coin? abraham didn't look at that situation as i told you earlier he didn't look and say okay in reality i'm impotent he didn't look and say thank you god for the impotence thank you god for the impotence because the impotence wasn't didn't have the picture of god on it god brings life god brings health the enemy steals kills destroys it's real simple it's real simple if you think about it. Is this thing God's fingerprints or is this the enemy's fingerprints? And then you can thank God appropriately. What did Jesus do? Let's go to this next slide and we'll close here. What did Jesus do? Because every situation in life, I think, pales in comparison to this one. Is everybody still breathing today? All right. If you're still breathing, your problem's not as bad as Lazarus right? He was dead four days. Look what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go to the tomb and say, Father, I thank you for death. Father, I thank you that Lazarus has been dead for four days. Thank you, Father, that he stinks to high heaven. He didn't say that. What did he say? It says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, Here he is, he's in the midst of staring four days of death in the face. And he doesn't address the death, he addresses something he can thank his father for. He says, Father, I thank you that you hear me, that you have heard me, and you always hear me. And when he said these things, he cried with a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come forth. Even Jesus modeled this same thing. He didn't thank God for the bad thing. He thanked his father. He said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I thank you that you always hear me. It reminds me of that verse in 1 John chapter 5, I think it's 14, 15, says, This is the confidence that we have. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, what do we have? We'll have the petition we ask to him. He said, That's the confidence we have. And so Jesus, in the midst of this, says, Father, I thank you. Thank you that you hear me. Thank you that you meet my needs. Not thank you that I've got to deal with this crappy situation. What am I going to do? Jesus even built his faith in the midst of that. And you can do the same. So it's, I'm going to call the uh, worship team up. We're going to just going to close with just a song today. Nothing really official, but as we sing this song, we sing Defender today. In closing, and I just want you—I just want you—and I don't want you to dwell on bad stuff. Like, but I want you to think about: Am I, if, if I, am I a chronic complainer? Am I a semi-chronic complainer? Am I looking at things and, and professing things that are actually shrinking my faith, or, or am I looking for what God's done, or what God has promised, or who God is, and thanking Him for those things? I, I've had—I've had to like repent this week. I've had to look at the things I say and be like, God, what am I doing? What am I saying? So, as always, I, I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, and you say, I've never, had, I've never had my sins forgiven. I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord. Uh, you can do that very simply and just ask Jesus, I receive the payment you've made for me. I believe that you died for me and rose again the third day. and I accept you and receive you as my Savior. If you'd like to make that commitment, I invite you to come up. Pastor Jay or myself, we'd like to pray with you, confirm that decision. Uh, Father, I just want you to take some time and just be quiet with the Lord while we sing this song. And just just think, am, am I living and voicing my faith with my thanksgiving or am I releasing my unbelief with complaining?